Welcome to How to Go Vegan Podcast. I'm Trish Roberts. Hopefully you've looked at the preface to each nutrition episode, which you can find in the information section. So before I start, I want to highlight the ethical issue in relation to our use of aquatic animals. As probably most of us would be aware, most omega-3 supplements are sourced from sentient aquatic animals. The irony is that fish eat seaweed, and that's why the bodies of fish contain omega-3 oils. But because we are so accustomed to using animals, we continue to use aquatic animals to obtain omega-3 instead of just going straight to the source, seaweed. Here's some important information we need to consider. According to scientists, the oceans will be empty by 2048 due to our demand for aquatic animals. The estimates of how many aquatic animals are killed each year varies greatly. Some estimates are 1 trillion and other estimates are 3 trillion killed each year. In addition, the animal agriculture industry is a principal cause of species extinction and responsible for the creation of more than 95,000 square miles of nitrogen-flooded dead zones in the ocean. Something else to consider is that one-third of all fish caught in the world's oceans are ground up and fed to farm animals, and that includes fish fed to other fish used in intensive fish farming. The fish used are mostly so-called forage fish, like anchovies, sardines, menhaden, and other small to medium-sized species. Baby seals off the coast of California are starving because their mothers are malnourished due to our species using up their food supplies. That's just the tip of the iceberg of the problems we cause because we create demand for aquatic animals and animal products in general. And as you will find me say in pretty much all these episodes, we do not need to eat animal products, yet we do so because we can out of habit, tradition, convenience and pleasure. We can easily obtain all our nutrition needs from a balanced plant-based diet and other non-animal sources. The only reason we can honestly give for why we are continuing to eat animal products is because they, quote, taste good, end quote. That's an extremely poor reason for us continuing our participation in the torture and murder of sentient aquatic animals and all the tremendous devastation we are imposing on the environment and other species, which I will explain in an episode focusing on the environmental devastation of animal agriculture. It is morally unjustifiable to keep claiming our palate pleasure is more important than the lives of 99.99% of the planet's population and the one trillion aquatic and land animals who are tortured and murdered each year for our palate pleasure as well. To consider that the oceans will be empty by 2048 is a frightening possibility. And not only is that a tragedy for those sentient non-humans, But if they go, we are sure to go as well. And it's all avoidable because we create the demand for animal products, including aquatic animals. We are responsible for the sixth mass extinction, of which our species will be included. While ultimately this is due to human overpopulation, 
The immediate cause is because we are not vegan. We are greatly responsible for anthropogenic climate change because 51% of anthropogenic greenhouse gases are from animal use industry. Anthropogenic climate change causes further aquatic deaths due to warming, which alone kills reefs and to acidification of the ocean. Worldwatch Institute estimates that so far 19% of the planet's reef has been killed and the Coral Reef Monitoring Network predicts that much of the remaining reef will die in the next 40 years. Reefs are not only rich with sea life, but are often the nurseries for a myriad of species. Our demand for aquatic animal products and the anthropogenic climate change, mostly due to animal agriculture, contributes hugely and is of the greatest danger to the world's oceans and to all sentient beings, including ourselves. We can do something right now in our lives to mitigate this by going vegan. But now on to the health issues in relation to omega-3. Rather than reinvent the wheel, I'm going to share some significant science-backed studies I obtained from the site nutritionfacts.org. And please read my disclaimer about external sites, individuals, organizations, etc. The usual and most common source of omega-3 promoted today is fish, and fish oil is often a recommended source. It's grown into a multi-billion dollar industry. We now consume over 100,000 tons of fish oil every year. What does the science say about whether fish oil is beneficial for health? The Journal of the American Medical Association looked at all the best randomized clinical trials evaluating the effects of omega-3 on lifespan, cardiac death, sudden death, heart attack and stroke, and they found that overall there was no protective benefit for overall mortality, heart disease, mortality, sudden cardiac death, heart attack or stroke. Are there negative health issues consuming fish source omega-3 supplements? Many pollutants in the ocean can be bioamplified in aquatic animals. This happens not only through consumption of other sea life or bioconcentration, but through the filtering function of gills or bioaccumulation, and it affects even filter feeders like clams and mussels. The result is amplification of any pollutant in seawater, by as much as a billion times for some heavy metals, according to Introduction to Marine Biochemistry, page 772. Since pollutants are often stored in fats, lipids, they are particularly seen in fish oils. So supplements can contain dioxins, PCBs, mercury and other industrial pollutants. These pollutants in fish may increase our risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiac death. I'll leave links in the information section to explain further. Major persistent organic pollutants found in fish oils that can negatively affect health are DDTs, PCBs, HCBs and toxophen, along with the heavy metals including mercury, lead and cadmium. A recent study of women found that dietary exposure to PCBs was associated with increased risk of stroke and an almost three times higher risk of hemorrhagic stroke. 
the main source of exposure to PCBs is fish consumption, of which perhaps salmon is the worse, though PCBs can also be found in lesser quantities in other meat sources. Let's talk about diabetes in relation to fish oil. Fish intake and omega-3 fats may increase type 2 diabetes risk by increasing blood sugar levels, as found in a review of the evidence commissioned by the U.S. government. Diabetics had an increase in blood sugar after ingesting fish oil. Or it may be because the omega-3s cause oxidative stress. A recent study found that the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas do not appear to work as well in people who eat two or more servings of fish a week. Or it may be because of the environmental contaminants that build up in fish. This may explain why studies in the U.S. have shown that just a single serving of fish a week may significantly increase one's risk of diabetes, emphasizing that even levels of these pollutants, once considered safe, may completely counteract the potential benefits of the omega-3s and other nutrients present in fish, leading to the type of metabolic disturbances that often precede type 2 diabetes. Awareness of some of the problems all started with Agent Orange, a combination of herbicides 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T. We sprayed 20 million gallons of this poison on Vietnam, and some of it was contaminated with trace amounts of dioxins. Though the Red Cross there estimates a million Vietnamese were adversely affected, what about all the servicemen who were exposed spraying it across the countryside? Along with the more prominent effects of nervous system damage, reports started showing up that veterans exposed to Agent Orange appeared to have higher diabetes rates than unexposed veterans, a link that's now officially recognised. The Agent Orange problems increased awareness of the effects of using these herbicides elsewhere, such as the effects on communities located near forests where the 2,4-D chemicals were routinely sprayed from aircraft. The major effects include immune system suppression, neurological damage, degradation in malfertility, respiratory irritant, interference with hormones, has been shown to cause decreased immune function, increases in breast cancer and other cancers, interference with hormone function, and it also is toxic to many fish and causes serious damage to honeybees. But these chemicals had been used for years and were among the most popular herbicides used in agriculture and forestry from their invention in the 1940s. It has been recently more widely used due to its inclusion as one element of a new two-part herbicide called Enlist Duo, widely promoted by Monsanto. While not containing the same levels of dioxins as 2,4,5-T, recent reports on dioxin precursors in Australia indicate that 2,4-D, and particularly 2,4-DB, contain significant levels of dioxins. 2,4,5-T is the other half of Agent Orange, another herbicide marketed under a number of names, and is the more dangerous half being the main source of dioxins. It was banned in the US in 1985 
due to its implication in a number of cancers and mutations. Globally, it, ha it is also restricted under the Rotterdam Convention, mainly due to its dioxin levels. But recent Australian research on sources of dioxins indicate that fungicide PCNB contain nearly this, the levels of dioxin found in 245T. PCNB is currently used everywhere, though restricted in the US, but is widely used in China and Japan. PCBs, another source of dioxin, are also used in a number of industrial processes like aluminium production, in electrical transformers for electrical grids, collants, flame retardants, hydraulic fluid, sealants, corking in schools and commercial buildings, and in older fluorescent lamps. These so-called persistent organic pollutants are mainly man-made industrial chemicals and among the most hazardous compounds ever synthesized. They are highly resistant to breaking down in the environment. Initially described for their deleterious effects on reproductive function, thyroid function, neurological damage and their ability to cause cancer, particularly breast cancer and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, there is now a growing body of evidence showing that exposure to these pollutants leads to metabolic diseases such as diabetes. This is a breakthrough that should require our greatest attention. The main exposure to dioxin, one of the most dangerous toxins and a contaminant in a number of these chemicals is through eating animal products. The World Health Organization estimates over 90% of our dioxin exposure is through meat, dairy and most importantly seafood. Since these pollutants are mainly stored in animal fats, fish oil is a major contributor to anyone who regularly uses it. So let's talk about fish oil and asthma. There was a cohort study of 17,000 people free of asthma. We know who are taking cod liver oil and who aren't. And then it's assessed who gets asthma over the next 11 years. They found that cod liver oil intake was significantly associated with the development of asthma. They think it may be the excessive vitamin A in the cod liver oil that was causing the problem, but there are a number of things in fish oil which are very problematic. I'll post some links from nutritionfacts.org in the information section. The links include a video titled Dioxins in the Food Supply, of which fish is the most contaminated. There will be links to videos which address dioxin levels in farm fish versus those caught in the wild. There's another link to a video titled The Problem with Organic Salmon and one titled Is Distilled Fish Oil Toxin Free? Because of these high levels of pollutants in fish, mercury levels in hair samples and arsenic levels in blood samples can now be used as biomarkers that can estimate a person's past fish consumption. Major fish oil manufacturers and drug stores are being sued for failing to disclose the PCB pollutants in fish oil supplements. Unfortunately, there is one proven way to accelerate the removal of these toxins, and that is to transfer them to babies. 
Levels of blood concentrations of PCB during pregnancies indicate that some women cut their levels in half by it being deposited in their child. But breastfeeding is important to baby's health, so reducing external contaminants is important. Researchers recently looked at 13 over-the-counter children's dietary supplements containing fish oil to assess potential exposure to PCBs, toxic industrial pollutants that have contaminated our oceans. PCBs were detected in all products, and those who use supplements made from small, short-lived fish like anchovies instead of big predator fish like tuna, or who use the purified fish oils found no significant difference in PCB levels between the supplements labeled as molecularly distilled. It did not matter what species or how high up on the food chain these fish were. So while children's dietary supplements containing the long-chain omega-3s from fish oils may claim to benefit young consumers, daily ingestion of these products may provide a vector for contaminant exposure that may offset the positive health effects. Infants given DHA fortified formula may have better development of their eyes and brains compared to infants getting non-DHA fortified formula. But what was the source of the DHA? Not fish. It was algae-derived DHA. So you can get the benefits of omega-3s without involving the destruction of the oceans and the torture and killing of sentient aquatic animals and without the contaminant risks. Of course, breast milk is the gold standard, significantly better than either of the formula-fed infants. So the best source of omega-3s is a child's mother. As nutritionfacts.org states, they could mention some more research outcomes, but suffice to say, if one puts all the studies together and there's no justification for the use of omega-3s as a structured intervention in everyday clinical practice or for guidelines supporting more dietary omega-3s, so medical practitioners should cease promoting marketed fish oil supplementation to all their patients. Let's talk about fish, mercury and suicide. 100,000 Japanese men and women were followed for up to 10 years and they didn't find evidence of a protective role of higher fish consumption or the long-chain omega-3s, EPA and DHA against suicide. In fact, they found a significantly increased risk of suicide among male non-drinkers with high seafood omega-3 intake. This may have just been by chance, but a similar result was found in the Mediterranean. High baseline fish consumption, together with an increase in consumption, were associated with an increased risk of mental disorders. One possible explanation could be the mercury content of fish. An accumulation of mercury compounds could increase the risk of depression. We know that mercury in fish can cause neurological damage such as negative effects on Alzheimer's disease, memory loss and autism as well as depression. So the increased risk of suicide among persons with a high fish intake might be attributable to the harmful effects of mercury in fish. Much of the fish used as food, including, quote, organic, end quote, salmon, 
are so polluted, and there's a long and frightening list of chemicals and drugs, that algae-derived sources of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids are probably the safest option. What are the plant-based sources? The good news is we can get all the omega-3s we need from plants. However, the omega-3 fatty acids most commonly found in plants is the short-chain omega-3 ALA. The body can lengthen ALA into EPA and DHA, but it may not convert enough for optimal health. Therefore, a fish-free DHA and or EPA supplement may be a good idea. These plant-based supplements may provide all the benefits without the contaminants and without the torture and killing of aquatic sentient beings and the destruction of the oceans. We can get our 250 milligrams a day from algae oil rather than fish oil. Algae oil is free of toxic contaminants because it does not bioaccumulate pollutants and commercial algal products are often grown in vats on land. Plant-based sources of omega-3 include flax seeds, walnuts, hemp seeds, chia seeds, and algae-based DHA supplements, which are bioequivalent to fish oil but do not have the harmful industrial toxins. According to two credible nutrition authorities, the World Health Organization and the European Food Safety Authority, we should get at least a half a percent of our calories from the essential short-chain omega-3 ALA. This is fairly easy since all we need to meet this requirement is a tablespoon of chia seeds or ground flaxseeds daily. So let's talk about the benefits of flaxseeds. Ground flaxseeds are an excellent source of omega-3 fatty acids, iron, zinc, copper, calcium, protein, potassium, magnesium, folate, soluble fiber, and even boron. Flax is the number one whole food source of lignans, a phytonutrient associated with prolonged survival in cancer patients, especially breast cancer, having 800 times more than any other food. Flax may be beneficial in suppressing the growth of breast and prostate cancer because when consumed, tumor cell proliferation goes down, cancer cell death increases, and the CERB2 score is reduced. Combining flaxseed with dietary fat restriction may have even greater effect on prostate cancer. Taking only one tablespoon of ground flaxseed a day may help prevent and reverse diabetes. Eating flaxseeds may also diminish skin sensitivity and improve skin barrier function and condition. Because lignans are activated by our gut bacteria, taking antibiotics may impair the production of the lignans. Let's talk briefly about good fats, bad fats and trans fats. There are good fats, there are monounsaturated fats in nuts and avocados. There are fats that are particularly beneficial, the omega fats in flaxseeds. And then there are fats that are extremely bad for us, the saturated fats and the trans fats found primarily 
in meat and dairy. There are also trans fats in hydrogenated oils. Saturated fats are mainly found in animal products, particularly dairy, and are the major source of the cholesterol that causes heart disease and stroke. Saturated fats are also common in junk food. There are a few plant sources of saturated fats, palm oil and coconut oil, but the primary source is animal fats and particularly dairy with its high cholesterol. If I can just share some science about trans fats according to nutritionfacts.org. Trans fats are basically found in one place in nature, and that is in animal fats. The food industry synthetically makes these fats by hardening vegetable oil in a process called hydrogenation, which rearranges their atoms to make them behave more like animal fats. This may be good for shelf life, but not good for human life. The most prestigious scientific body in the United States, the National Academy of Sciences, released a damning report on trans fats and concluded that the only safe intake of trans fats was zero. The Academy said that the tolerable upper daily intake was zero. The National Academy of Sciences is saying the only safe intake of trans fats is zero and about one-fifth of American trans fat intake is coming from animal products. Did they recommend that everyone should only eat vegan? No, they didn't, but why not? They were challenged on it and one of the authors of the report, a nutritional epidemiologist at the Harvard School of Public Health, responded, quote, We can't tell people to stop eating all meat and all dairy products. Well, we could tell people to be vegetarians, end quote. He added, quote, If we were truly basing this on science, we would, but it is a bit extreme, end quote. So that's unfortunate that he should say that. So that's the episode on omega-3s. I hope that you found the science interesting and informative. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll listen to the other episodes on nutrition. And I look forward to your company next time. Till next time, bye for now.